Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to this week's episode. <clears throat> Welcome to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, powered by Wild Edge Inc. Today we talked to Sam Ubel about his unseasonably warm black bear hunt, the wolf encounter that he had, and we used to highlight some really awesome audio of a bobcat in the wild. I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, and welcome back. In case you're new to the show, my name is Walter, and I'm your host. And this is the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, sponsored by Wild Edge Inc. If you haven't already, please do yourself a favor, do me a favor, go to www.wildedgeinc.com and check out the stepladder. It is easily, hands down, the quietest and most versatile climbing system to get to your tree stand or saddle hunting platform. And I can tell you right now that over a year having used this climbing system, it is the best I've ever encountered, and it will be on my back every day. I use a set of eight steps and an aider, and that gets me to any height that I need to to chase hogs or whitetails in the south. I encourage you to take a look, and if you use the promo code CHASINGTAILS10, that's CHASINGTAILS10, that'll get you free shipping on any order of steps on his website. It tells him that you found, a, found him via our podcast, and we greatly appreciate that. On this week's episode, we talked to Sam Ubel, and we discussed his black bear hunt up in the way up north, up in the National Forest, where it was unseasonably warm, and that kind of led to some interesting things. Sam ended up uh, getting in the buff, and uh, his guide and him had an interesting encounter, but he also ran into a very hair-raising encounter with with a bobcat and what he claims to be a wolf. I'm not going to waste any more of your time. I hope you enjoy the show. It was a blast to record, and it was even more fun to edit. We even snuck the Bobcat audio right there in into the, the uh, show itself, so I know you're going to enjoy it. Well, welcome back, everybody. I have got a guest on the line that has uh, gone through extraordinary links to be here with us this evening. Uh, we have been trying to link up and through a variety of different... Uh, uh, hurdles. We've been bouncing back and forth, and finally he hit me up t- this evening and said, "Hey, man, I can do it right now. How's that sound?" And I rushed into my office and I hit record. On the line, I've got Sam Ubel. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. It's good to talk to you, dude. I'm just so glad to catch up with you. I, I w- man, it must might have been was it early last week that you and I connected and started discussing this? And <laughs> yeah, I saw your post on uh, bear hunting. I think. You were talking about um, guys that get out in the spring for spring bear season. Yeah. Um, and I was like, man, we don't have a spring bear season here, but 
the the bear hunting that we did we do have can be extraordinarily hot yeah and i i made mention of my experience bear hunting and how great that went and from there it just sort of spiraled (laughs) (laughs) i think the i think the way you phrased it was like i i don't do spring bear but i have a naked bear hunting story or something like that and i was like i don't spring spring bear hunt but i bear hunted naked (laughs) you want to hear a story (laughs) i got one for you (laughs) and you were like wolves bodcats and 100 degree temperatures and i was like okay that i'm all in but yeah man let's let's pump the brakes on that real quick and uh there's a chance (laughs) that at least one or two of my listeners don't know who you are um sure you are the the co-founder of the Hunt More app, the Fish More app, and you are the owner and founder of Chase Nation. Chase, oh my goodness, Chase Nation TV. Why don't you fill in the gaps or elaborate on any of those that you feel like you need to to uh, sure. make sure our guests know who they're listening to? Sure. Yeah. So Chase Nation is um, my production company, and that is a uh, we are a hundred percent unscripted, non sponsored group of good old boys uh just regular good old boys that love to hunt love to film and in the whole purpose behind you know the whole motive behind what we're doing and putting together you know an online web series of hunting and fishing films is it is absolutely the best way to tell our stories i mean i don't know the the whole idea came it, it spawned when we were okay most of the guys that are on the group we all filmed with what was at the time called Wisconsin Whitetail Pursuit. Now, I think that the the Facebook page and all that still exists, and I'm not sure what they've done with themselves in the last year. But they were acquired yeah, by uh, a parent company, and we, you know, it, it, with with the new ownership came expectations to represent um, products that not necessarily all of us, you know, agreed with or believed in. And uh, the whole idea of what we were doing with Wisconsin Whitetail Pursuit in the beginning was it was an organic thing. We film because we love it. We hunt because we love it. And we kill big deer because we try our asses off, not necessarily because a certain product helped us kill that deer. So when, you know, when sponsorship becomes an issue where, you know, it's not necessarily something you believe in, but it's something that's expected of you, it's uncomfortable. And so we finished that season off. And um, started Chase Nation, and so half the guys from that crew came with me, and uh, and then you know some of them had friends that were big into hunting and been filming for years or had other experience filming for other shows, uh, and they're like, hey, you know, you want to get so and so involved? I said I don't want to grow a huge team here, but like twelve or thirteen guys is perfect, uh, so we have a full season, and that's what we wound up with. We got thirteen guys. Um, we range anywhere from mule deer hunting to our primary, I guess I should start with the primary stuff we do is whitetails, turkeys, and, uh, musky fishing. Uh, those are, that's the meat of our episodes, but you know, and somebody pulls a tag to go billy goat hunting up in the mountains in Alaska or, you know, Montana elk hunting, um, or mule deer hunting somewhere, you know, we go and we do that. And, uh, and we film everything we do and we bring it back and produce it and we share it for free. It's a, we have a non-monetized YouTube channel. Um, we have no sponsors and nothing is scripted. Everything is legit as it happened. We're not trying to hide anything. We're just trying to tell a real story. It's like, you know, when you're out in your tree stand and, 
and you have an owl land, you know, three feet away from your, from your face up in the tree and like a snow trace limb. And it's something so cool and immaculate. And you can't imagine anybody's ever experienced something like that before. And you feel nothing but selfish because you're the only one that's there at that moment that gets to witness that. Absolutely. Half the time, you know, half the time you tell somebody that that happened, they're not going to believe you, you know? Or they're going to be listening to what you're saying, but the whole time you're talking, they're thinking about what they're going to say next to try to relate to it and attention. And so for us, the best way to tell a story is from behind the lens. And so we, we capture our hunts on film. We produce them as best we can, and we share them for free. And, and that's all it's about. That's what Chase Nation is. Uh, do you feel that? So. Do you feel like that provides a more authentic, uh, relatable experience for people since there is no money behind it that y'all are doing this pretty much because just solely because you're passionate about it i mean it's an expense for y'all oh it's it's i mean i don't think everybody necessarily understands i mean i'm up sometimes and i don't i don't i don't want to pity or or, or guilt i don't want anybody to feel like pity for me because I, I do it for myself because i love it right but i mean i'm up till two or three in the morning on a, on a school night you know i gotta go to work the next day I've got two little babies at home and a, and a wife to take care of in a home. And I have a full-time regular job. Uh, so I wait till the kids are in bed and the wife's in bed. I get everybody tucked in, give my wife a kiss, wait till she's snoring. Then I go downstairs, get on my, uh, my computer and I get to work. And I, I bet you every episode is anywhere from, you know, 18 to 24 hours of, uh, rough cutting film and producing, uh, maybe like a, anywhere from 10 to 15 minute episode. Um, but it's so worth it. I mean, it really is. And yeah, I, I think that, you know, staying away from, you know, signing on to any big sponsorships in the beginning, at least for sure, uh, is helpful for people to have some relatability and the, the scripting stuff, you know, we're not a commercialized production, so why bother scripting stuff? Sure. But you think about it, like a lot of the shows out there on TV that, uh, have real large sponsors, are required um you know to 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 promote product and they're also they also come with expectations like you're not gonna you know show certain things that are gonna maybe deter people you're always gonna have critics no matter what no matter how great your production is no matter how well you're you know you filmed a hunt uh if your shot's a little forward or a little back even if you recover the deer people are going to be on you about it that's just the nature of the beast so, um, to me, you know, I, I, I don't really like that. It drives me nuts. Cause I, I'll tell you straight away and I won't say names of shows, but I'm sure anybody listening can attest to the fact that if you've watched any kind of commercialized production on TV, you will notice if you pay enough attention that the sky color is different, might be different conditions between one clip and the next. So you've got pieced together clips of B roll to put a storyline together. To make something look flawless or seamless, but this is not how hunting goes. This really is just not, not not if you hunt as much as a lot of us do. You know, there's going to be mistakes, and you learn from those mistakes. And if you're not demonstrating that that you're, you know, an average guy that's going to make mistakes and willing to learn from them and share them with other people, so maybe they can avoid making the same mistake that you did. Well, then maybe you're you're missing the whole the whole purpose of filming your hunts. And that's something that I don't want to miss anymore. If I'm going to spend the time to carry a camera and go through that whole thing, and especially all my guys, 
I want to make sure that we're telling a legitimate story people can relate to. Uh, and not necessarily for popularity, but some, you know, it's more so because uh, I don't, I just don't understand the point otherwise, you know? Oh, I'm with you. I, I, I think that there, you know, that, that is a very, I, I think there are a lot of shows that do themselves a disservice by trying to fit some pre-scripted or, or pre-determined narration of what they want to project. And I feel like if people were to, and you know, it probably wouldn't be re- well received right now, but I think if more people tried to put something out like what you have, it'd be more relatable. And I think that's, I think that's why shows like yourself, uh, shows what shows like chase nation are, are being received so well is because there kind of is a pushback, you know, people at first, you know, I think, uh, you go back 10, 15 years ago, if you wanted to watch something outdoors, you, you just, you watch the outdoor channel and you didn't really think about it. But now, uh, YouTube makes it to where you can have access to different perspectives and point of view. And, you know, your show is a prime example of that. It's, it's I appreciate that. Yeah, man. I, I think, I think you said the word, nailed the word on the head, the word outdoors. I mean, just go onto YouTube sometime and type the word outdoors in. Right. What you'll, what you'll find is hundreds of, you know, I don't know what you call them, just channels that are so-and-so outdoors, so-and-so outdoors. And I don't have anything against that. And I'm not knocking that. So anybody listening, especially buddies of mine that have a channel that's something outdoors, don't take offense. All I'm saying is that there are hundreds and hundreds of YouTube channels out there (laughs) of people trying to do it, trying to make it, trying to film their hunts, produce them and, you know, attract an audience. Yeah. I understand the whole attracting the audience because what i mean if you're not able to share it if people aren't watching it what are you putting the 18 to 24 hours an episode in for i mean right. why are you asking guys to carry their cameras out you know into the woods with them and and capture this stuff if nobody's going to watch it i mean if, if if that was the case if nobody's going to watch it you might as well just share it with your friends and family and, and keep it private right i mean what's the point otherwise so of course we want to build an audience but but the thing is is because there's such a huge 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 competition of of content out there you've got to do something that separates you from from the from the many and the the biggest thing that i've learned in the time that i've spent trying to do this kind of sort of thing over the last you know 12 years or so that i've been really heavily involved is that you need to you need to cut as much content as possible so you stay relevant and you need to unfortunately it, it goes over a lot better if your episodes are shorter, but I always feel like I'm cheating the story if I make an mm-hmm. episode, you know, four or five minutes. Sure, people aren't going to tune it out. They're going to watch the whole thing from front to back, and then and then they'll move on to the next show. But, like, we have a story to tell, and that's the whole idea. And because we're a non-monetized channel, uh, it, to me it doesn't matter how many minutes somebody watches. You know, I think YouTube has, like, a... You have to have a thousand subscribers, and you have to maintain. And don't quote me on this, but I believe it's forty thousand hours of watch time a month in order to be paid. And then you know, and then you get commercials on your YouTube channel that pay you, right? But I don't want. I don't. First of all, our episodes are they they might be six minutes, but a lot of them are twelve to fifteen minutes. I don't want people to be like. Well, I'm already sitting through 12 or 15 minutes of this. I don't want to have to watch a commercial, right? <laughs> yeah. But also, everybody that films with me, you know, or for me, they're not they're not doing this to become like, you know, 
super hunters or something out in the in the hunting industry they're doing it because they genuinely love it and like these stories mean a lot to them just like just like you and i if we go out hunting if even there's no camera involved you put every everything into your season your heart and soul and when you find success you, you know you earned it and it means a lot to you and and when when you do carry a camera and you're you're able to capture you know something that meant so much to you on film absolutely you just want to share it because like i said before that example with the, like an owl landing on a snow trace limb i mean i'm sure of it that anybody listening can attest to seeing a sunset or sunrise at one point or another that they all they feel selfish for having watched without you know a significant other next to them or just man i can't believe i'm the only one seeing this i mean just think why why is it that everybody pulls their phones out to take a picture of something cool that they see right because they want to share it with somebody they want to show it off or share it and, and that's the whole idea behind us filming our hunting shows and our fishing episodes is because it's just it's some of the stuff you just don't see if you've never been exposed right. to it especially yeah. inside of city walls oh absolutely and and that's one of the reasons why i founded chasing tales was because there's a lot of awesome stories out there that aren't caught on video they aren't caught maybe in the and it's hard to catch an entire story in a series of photos I think it's maybe a little easier because a video is, you know, it's obviously hundreds of thousands of frames, you know, but it's, it's a little easier to catch uh, a series of events. But there's a lot of stories that, that go untold, and there's a lot of people who sit in concrete jungles riding to and from work an hour or so, and I hear it all the time. I, listen, when I don't put out an episode on time, I've got like four people are like, hey, man, my commute sucks. I'd really like to be able to have an episode. You're, you're, <laughs> you're 12 hours behind. I'm like, or 24 hours behind. I'm like, yeah, I know. Well, then you know you're doing something right, man. Well, you know, maybe by accident. <laughs> um, so I get a real, I get a real kick out of uh, some of the responses we get from some of the people that are watching our content. You know, uh, I, I get a lot, a lot, a lot more people than you think send in messages privately, and oftentimes it's from people that are, you know, older than the average millennial or younger. You know, they're usually like. I get these private messages from guys in their fifties and sixties, even who are on Facebook or YouTube. And, and they, and they say things like, thank you. Or even if, and, and I don't need a thank you for anything that we're doing, but like, uh, I just think it's such a compliment when somebody can say, I don't have time anymore, or I'm not able to get out there and do that stuff anymore, but I used to. And when I watch some of the stuff you guys are putting together, it reminds me of my youth it reminds me of somewhere I've been, and it puts me there for a moment. And and for that, I really, really appreciate it. And when I hear something like that, you know, you're so humbled because you really you don't care if they're giving you a pat on the back because you shot a big deer on film. You really you, you're over that. You already high fived your buddies and drank a few beers to it. You're beyond that at this point. You're hearing somebody like say that what you're doing is making an impact on them. And if it's putting them back, you know, 20 years into that stand that they used to sit or back up North or down South or wherever they used to hunt, but they can't get there anymore for whether it's a physical reason or, you know, family, or maybe they had to move or whatever the reason that just makes it feel good. There's all kinds of feel good in that. Absolutely, man. And that, those are the kind of comments that, that just fire you up and get you out there uh editing another another episode or or recording one isn't it 
Oh, absolutely. That's that's the motivation. That's driver. If you're not making money on this, and what else? You know, it's so funny because I've got even people in my family that say, "What? You know, like you're not making any money doing this. Why do you put so much into this?" And I'm like, "God, if you only knew, if you knew what it felt like, you know, to to make to impact people like the way that we do." I think it's special and not to sound corny or cheesy, but it really, it really means a lot. And that's the motivation. And and that's what all the guys know too. You know, if, if, if ever we bring somebody onto the chase nation crew that doesn't understand that I'll catch on to it real quick and it'll be, you know, time to go in a short period of time. I mean, everybody has to be dedicated for the right reasons. Every single person on our crew a hundred percent understands what we're about, what we represent. And it's so, so cool. Uh, I absolutely love the guys. And it's so funny because I only knew half of them, you know, and now I got to know the other half of them over the last season and a half. And we've had some awesome, uh, awesome times together and filmed for each other and just getting together and, uh, getting to know one another. And it's like, man, it's amazing that at, at our age, I mean, we've got everybody from like 22 years old to, I'm, I think I'm the oldest one and I'll be 35 in you know, a couple of weeks. Um, we've got a wide range of ages here and it's amazing how well everybody respects one another and gets along. It's just a cool group. Well, touch, touching on the adventures and leading kind of into our discussion, uh, were you able to get this bear hunt on film? Oh man, I've got, I bet you, I've probably got 12 hours of film. Um, now I think I told you I didn't end up killing one. So that film just sits there in the archives. I don't, I never delete my film. I just keep buying uh, external hard drives and one terabyte at a time. And you just fill that sucker up with everything you film. Sure. Maybe eventually it'll be worth something. I can put, use it for something. But at this point in time, um, I think the only thing that's out there right now from that hunt that I've used is I published the uh, Bobcat yeah. uh, encounter in the dark. And that was right after the wolf encounter, which was the day after the, the naked bear hunt. <laughs> it was just a wild, wild week of bear hunting. For my first time going bear hunting, it was weird. It got real weird. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's let's back up. I, I, I While you were talking, I, I had to see this. Uh, I had to find the comment that that struck me. I posted this uh, at the end of May, saying, "Hey, does anybody know?" If you if, let me back up a little further, if you're new to the show, uh, we have a closed group for this podcast podcast called Chasing Tall Tales. The whole idea is it's just like the small little community where we can all share stories. I kind of data mine from that and get feedback from people like, "Hey, do you like this kind of podcast or this kind of podcast? Uh, who would y'all like to see on there?" It's just a real little close knit community. I think it's right under 400 people that just kind of give some feedback and I posted saying hey does anybody know about you know spring bear hunting I'd like to get somebody on the show and the very first comment and it was like minutes after I posted that is is uh, Sam and he's and he said someday I hope I get the chance to talk and I can tell you about the story of bear hunting in the nude in 100 degree heat and one of the most hair raising wild encounters I've ever had in the wood during that bear hunt in northwestern Wisconsin so <laughs> immediately i think the first message i sent you was just like bro i was just blown away at the idea of that story i mean you mm-hmm. you had me at hello um yeah let's set the stage for everybody where you said northwestern wisconsin was this public private what was the kind of set the stage yeah. for where you were hunting 
Well, I had a, I had three different bear sets. Um, I had, I had two on public land in the Shaquamagan National Forest, and uh, one on a small 30-acre chunk of private. This is up in, uh, I don't know if, if, up by Superior. I'm not sure where all the listeners are from, but Superior, uh, Iron River. Um, this is almost as far northwest as you can go in the state, and that's getting right up there to you know, the very northwestern tip of Minnesota and then, you know, Canada. Um, so you, you're way up there. And uh, and it's funny because if, if anybody's real familiar with Wisconsin and especially the Northwoods of Wisconsin, what's, and I think I was telling you about this right before we, we um, actually were able to get on the call as with respect to Wisconsin, you know, if you're in the southern part of Wisconsin or the central part, it's all farmland and flat land. And if western wisconsin it's all hill country and if you go northern wisconsin you feel like you're in alaska or canada um because of all the the towering pines and the birch trees and and it's just this real northwoods feel to it and then if you go to northwest wisconsin which is even further north than the like real canada looking stuff which is mostly like northeast wisconsin it it's like a combination of canada meets like Georgia or something. There's like, I don't know, like Ponderosa pines. And like, then there's these big Oak patches and, and then there's like random hay fields. And it's just a, (laughs) it's a really unique place, especially for Northern Wisconsin. You know, most of Northern Wisconsin is clay soil. Like the soil is clay and sand. You don't really have dirt, you know? And, um, I mean, you have dirt, but it's so sandy, it's really hard to, to cultivate and grow sure. uh, crop. But where I was, where I'm talking about like big oak trees and things growing, to me, that was really foreign. And I've been through there driving to Canada to go fishing or whatever, but I've never slowed down and stopped and looked around so much as I was able to do during that week I was bear hunting. And uh, you don't see cornfields, you don't see bean fields because the growing season is short up there. I mean, winter goes away in June. I mean, in June is when, you know, spring really arrives up there or the end of May. Yeah. And I mean, there might be ice halfway through the month of May up there. You're kidding Uh, me. And then the the, the winter comes back real fast. So, you know, October, you might be seeing, you know, a foot of snow up there. It's just, it's a really short growing period. So the typical crop up there is alfalfa. Anyways, I'm not sure why that has anything to do with bears, but I just (laughs) wanted to explain that. Explain the terrain a little sure. bit to you. Well, let's let's right. if we can back up just a set for a uh, touch further because we mm-hmm. have listeners from literally all over the country, all over the world actually. Um, mm-hmm. what, you mentioned you had three bear sets. Can you kind of break down what a bear set is? Because that kind of sounds like a like a trap of sorts, but I don't think that's what oh, you're talking about. Sure, no, not a trap at all. It's um, in Wisconsin. You have two different seasons. You have a dog season, and then you have like the baiters, and um, they break it up every year. Uh, one season gets to go in front of the other. So, you know, last year when I went bear hunting, the dog hunters went before me. And, and, and that's a downfall for guys that, you know, are hunting over bait because, especially if you're on public land, because the guys with multiple dogs are running through the property and they, you know, they move the bears all over the place. I mean, if guys getting bears for two months straight on their cameras and hitting their bait, you, you might as well if if that if that area gets pounded by a dog hunter, 
you know, you might kiss your bear goodbye because either got shot or it got chased off. And, and if it sticks around, it's probably going to be real nocturnal. Uh, and I'm no expert at bear hunting. So, you know, just so we're clear, I, I just <laughs> learned a lot. Um, and then if the baiters get to go first, then, you know, your odds are a lot better because there's nothing stirring up the woods. Um, and, and at any rate, so, uh, when I say sets for bears, I'm talking about bait stations. So, you know, whether it's a bunch of, uh, let's see, what did we use? We used jelly from, you know, to a, a place that makes donuts and we bought five gallon pails full of the jelly filling. Um, you know, that was actually the meat of it. There's raspberry filling, there's blueberry filling. Uh, I, I was fortunate to, um, you know, meet the guy from bear sense and I got a bunch of, uh, different sprays that I got to take with me and I didn't know what I was using. I think I had caramel, I had jelly filled donut. I had, wow. I, you know, all these oil-based scents that come in these big spray tubes and you spray it, you just spray it till your hand is so numb from squeezing that spray bottle <laughs> that, you know, it starts to cramp on you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and especially with the heat that we were hunting, boy, my hands were really cramping. <laughs> but, but those are bear sets. It, it's like every other day you go out there, you've got a camera on the bait station and you're replenishing your stock of bait. And you've got you to keep it covered so other animals can't easily get to it. So you might have a hollowed-out stump. And then in the middle of that hollowed-out stump, you fill it with the bait. Like like I'm saying, like I think we had corn. Like we had kernels of corn with all this jelly filling. And you just lopped it in there in molasses. And then you had to put a board over the top of it with a rock or a brick on top of the board. And then when the bear comes it's strong enough and it wants the bait enough that it'll move that board and that big brick or the big rock off of that log or that stump. I mean, and then it'll, you know, eat the filling out. If you leave it too exposed, skunks and, and, and coons and deer and other animals can get in it. And then I don't know what all the reasoning is behind it, but I'm sure disease and this, that, and the other thing and whatever uh, comes into play. But so that's what a bear set is. And you typically hunt over your bear set. Cool. I I was wondering why y'all always put the boards on top of it, and I just assumed that was to make the bears kind of work a little harder. But it sounds like it's to, really more to to let the bears get to it more than oh yeah than to prevent yeah, just, them. Just imagine how strong those bears are. I mean, it's definitely all for the sake of preventing other animals bears don't have to work very hard to move that stuff off it's it's nothing for them it's like you wiping a mosquito off your arm you know yeah right the thing that that a guy is when you're walking out to your set in the dark and you're carrying a five gallon pail to replenish your bait stock so you freshen the scent around the area and you're like boy you know i hope there's no big bears standing nearby the bait pile that are like here i am like a walking <laughs> bait pile you know in the dark I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm normally, I'm never afraid of walking in the dark. Uh, but, but this, this particular hunt definitely left me, uh, scarred a little bit. <laughs> well, let, let's kind of segue into that. It, it, is there, a, are there a lot of, well, I'll tell you what, I'll let you go into the store. I don't want to belabor it too much with the details and t- end up taking away from the actual storyline. So you've, oh. you've, you've got these, you've got these three sets up there. You, you mentioned a yep. really short season. It's a hundred degrees. How long does it stay a hundred degrees up there for? 
Oh my gosh. Well, this was, this was, you know, I think the second week of, uh, September. And this is right before the, uh, the, the archery season for whitetails opens up here. And typically, you know, you could have anywhere from a 60 to 80 degree day. Uh, and then it'll cool off into the fifties at night. Oh that's a typical God. September. That's a, that's a typical mid to late September or early, just any September day. That sounds uh, absolutely it, phenomenal. Oh, really? Cause to us, that's so hot and mosquitoes are awful. <laughs> Dude, I hunt in 90 degree weather through October. So you probably do a lot of naked hunting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause, cause for a Wisconsin boy, I mean, you know, shoot. I mean, when it's like negative, negative d- degrees in the wintertime, yeah. if we get a 25 or 35 degree day, you know, say like in February, you take a drive through, through any Wisconsin town where it's 35 degrees after sub zero temps and guys are outside and long sleeves and t-shirts. Some guys are even wearing, you know, shorts at the bus stop just like <laughs> are we just crazy or what but you slowly adapt to it and then next thing you know oh. it, it has to be at least 50 or 60 degrees to wear a t-shirt <laughs> yeah see no i'm i'm i would be the guy wearing the long sleeve as it is right now i am incredibly hot natured and i'll put it in perspective for you we don't see lows in the 50s until late november at the earliest oh gosh yeah yeah dude. it thermocells are like Hot commodity. Oh God, yeah, dude. You just—it's it, like a safety harness. If you don't have your thermosel, you just—you just turn around and go back to the house. To hell with it's it. It's so funny. So this story is like—I feel like a Sally about it because you know we were, yeah, we were dealing with 102 degrees, and I was just—I mean, I don't care where you're from, 102 degrees or anything. That's hot is as hell. Hot. Yeah. All right, but I mean, shoot, 90 degrees is ridiculous. I went up there. um Again, I was I was out of Iron River, and um, I had uh, a longbow with me. I was borrowing from a good buddy, Doc Crow. He owns the Harvest Archery Shop down in Tennessee, Chattanooga. He set me up his longbow and made up some amazing, amazing arrows for me, all prettied up and with red, white, and blue painted on them. And oh wow! I think I think I was dealing with like 670 grains. And uh, I was ready to, you know, punch a hole in a bear with that thing. And I also brought my compound. And uh, I left the gun at home other than a pistol. I I had to carry a sidearm. And um, I had the second biggest pistol that's in production as far as I know of, which is a 450. And uh, (laughs) my buddy uh, Matt Hazel gave me that one to take up with me. And this thing was a cannon. Um you know the 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 bullets look like slugs out oh, of a shotgun. Yeah. Mortar so, rounds, basically. <laughs> so I've got five days to hunt, right? I got to get this done in five days, and I've got a good friend up there as part of the Croatian heritage that my wife is deeply involved with, um, who lives right there, and he was good enough to take care of me by keeping these bait stations up, and he got me permission on the thirty uh, of private and. Uh, you know, all I had to do basically was show up, pay him for the bait, which he didn't even want to take the money for, but, you know, force that in his pocket. And he fed me, and I got to hang out at his camp, wow. uh, which is a which is a which really a treat. It was really an amazing-looking place. There's giant whitetails that they take off public land up there. I just wouldn't believe. And uh, so I was in heaven, <clears throat> except for during the day <laughs> when it was like 100-plus degrees. 
So I think it was the um, second oh, second or third day. I'm pretty sure it was this. I mean, it was in the 90s every single day, but I think it was the second or third day uh, I decided to hike back to this piece. that This is on public now. And this, this one in particular is about a little over a mile back. And when you get back there, um, you know, you're kind of in it for the long haul because it's work to get in there. And, uh, I mean, I got nothing to do up there except for bear hunt. I mean, I brought a couple musky rods along because there's great musky fishing up in that area. But the problem was is I was intending on using uh, his boat, you know, uh, and his boat wasn't running. So I was oh. like, oh. <laughs> I got to drive a really long ways to fish offshore and it's not worth it to me. So I'll just go sit in the stand. So I get out there and it's maybe like three o'clock in the afternoon. It is so hot that by like four o'clock, I, I was, I, I had taken my shirt off and now I'm taking selfies to send my buddies be like, dude, look at this. I'm hunting without a shirt on. I'm up in this tree stand. This is ridiculous. Well, then the next thing you know, I'm taking off my pants, and I'm like, geez, now I'm in, like, you know, hiking boots. I've got, uh, I think I just had regular, like, athletic socks on and uh, and my boxer briefs and, and a hat. I mean, otherwise, I'm just this, this pale white boy that just, <laughs> you know, I mean, I get a pretty good tan in the summertime, but I'm just saying – under the sun if you see these pictures i look real pale and i'm like man well I, plus i just had a sun in june so i didn't get out as much this last summer so i definitely didn't have as much tan as normal i'm just glowing out there all right <clears throat> at about 6 30 i hear something coming no maybe it's 7 30 i think it was probably closer to 7 30 come to think of it with the lighting no it was 6 30 it was 6.30. Sorry, i got to get my facts straight here. It was about 6.30. I hear something coming, and it's at least 150 yards away. But it's, you know, it's it's September. It's still pretty, you know, green up there. And I, and I can hear this thing coming, and it sounds big. I think it's a bear. So I start getting ready. And the stand I was in was real creaky. Mind you, the, my host for the, for the week was uh, the one who set the stuff all up. I'm really, really picky about my stand. So typically I just take my lone wolf out and I just climb up whatever tree was perfect for the opportunity. But right. he was nice enough to go pre-hang some sets for me and all I had to do was show up and hunt, you know? Sure, sure. <laughs> that, I'm, I'm telling you, what a, what a guide, man. Oh, man, absolutely. He cooked me steaks at night. Well, I'll get into that. So, <laughs> okay, so go I'm, ahead. I'm, I'm like, shoot, you know, what is that noise? Oh, it's just so loud. Well, forget it. I'm not going to worry about it. It's not coming out. I'm so hot. The noise goes away. Uh, a little bit of time goes by. I've got sweat dripping down my chest, down my back. And finally, I'm like, I I can't do this. Like, my underwear is so – I'm wearing boxer briefs, and they <laughs> stick to your – like, they stick to your butt when you're sitting on them. And I didn't want to have, like, monkey butt and be all itchy. So, <laughs> so I straight up dropped my drawers, and I'm sitting there with uh, nothing but a, a baseball cap on. A camouflage baseball cap and hiking boots and athletic socks. And I'm up in a tree stand in public <laughs> land in the Shaquamigan forest, glowing. And out of nowhere, I should have, I, ju I just should have been more on guard. But that sound I've been hearing ends up being my host for the week. He is at, he's at about 125 yards. And he's coming right for me. And he's got a cooler in his hand. And I'm like, first of all, 
what in the heck? I think I had, I think I swore a couple times under my breath. But like, I've been sitting out here sweating bullets, waiting for a bear to come out, and now I've got you coming out here. Like, if there was ever going to be a chance for me to shoot a bear, you just ruined it. That's all. That's all I was thinking about. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I was, I was right down to like, you know, an hour or so away from prime time, and just like, come on, what are you doing? Well, and he's got this cooler, so I don't know what's going on. And here I'm naked. So I'm like, <laughs> shoot, what do I do now? So he he's coming. He stops for a minute. I can tell he looked right at me. And he pretends he's, like, turning around to, like, look for something on the ground. I just knew. You could just tell his awkward stance. Like, he's like, oh, shoot, I just witnessed something I don't want to see. <laughs> <laughs> so he you know without covering his face he's kind of like oh you know did i drop my keys you know yeah. shuffling around i quick i mean i can't tell you how fast i was getting dressed but it was stupid i was just like get this stuff back on me and it's wet from sweat so it's hard as hell to get on so like my pants are sticking to my feet you know and i can't get my feet through them finally i just get enough dressed and then he kind of like wheels around and keeps going comes up to me and he looks up at the stand and i'm not gonna say anything because it's awkward as hell and i'm embarrassed <laughs> and he goes i thought you could use some sandwiches and a couple beers and i'm like what <laughs> i've never ever had somebody walk beer and sandwiches out to my hunting stand before i don't know what's <laughs> happening right now but goddamn, i am hungry and i could really use a beer right about now because i'm sweating I mean, I'm embarrassed as all get out and like, hey, you already walked all the way out here. I'm going to drink a beer no matter what when I'm done hunting. So send it on up. So I send down the bow hoist. He ties up the dang cooler. I start hoisting it up and then the hoist rope snaps. <clears throat> well, when the cooler full of beer and like, I think there was three cans of beer in there and like three or four roast beef sandwiches. Mind you, I, I weigh like 175 pounds. I can eat like a, almost a full roast beef sandwich before I feel overstuffed. Right. All this stuff makes all this noise. The ice pack crashes. It's so loud. He's standing down there laughing. I'm standing there. This is a just a joke, and I'm as serious as you can be about hunting. I got cameras going, and everything is just, and I'm just like, what is going on? So mind you, I pretty much gave up on the hunt for that evening. Uh, I went down, I grabbed that cooler, I shook his hand and said, thank you, sorry you saw me in the buff. <laughs> I, I didn't blame you, I just didn't want to let, on to know and, to let you know that I saw you. Um, we'll talk about this later, get back up there and hunt the rest of the evening. So I went back up in my stand, drank a beer, ate a sandwich, and stared at like nothing for the next two hours. And then that was about that, I started pouring out. And, oh, went back to the cabin, and uh, the deer camp there, and... He just had this silly smirk on. He had a fresh cigar sitting out for me. He's like, I figured you could probably use this, and here's a stiffer drink. <laughs> so we drank a bourbon after that and smoked a cigar, and uh, and uh, I we just I told him the whole story. He's like, I didn't want to have too much conversation out there in the in in the woods, but you know, I know you're hunting. I'm like, come on, dude. You knew you knew the hunt was over as soon as you got out there, and whatever but i'm like yeah well i'll just tell you because it's whatever it is what it is i was hunting naked i mean what are you gonna do <laughs> it's freaking hot so uh, uh so that was a naked story i bet you that's the last uh cooler of beer and sandwiches he brings somebody oh my god i don't <laughs> i don't know that 
he would have ever expected that. I mean, he should have. God dang, it was hot. It was so hot. It was just uncomfortable. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, what would you think if you were walking through the National Forest and there's a naked guy up in a tree stand wearing nothing but leather boots and a hat? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, oh, you know, the thing that kept striking me was like, well, what happens if a bear does come out? Am I going to shoot my first bear ever? Buck ass with naked. A, with a longbow, <laughs> butt naked. <laughs> you know, and I'm filming everything. So, like, what am I going to do with this POV camera? I've got a camera on me. I mean, when I watch the footage back, I show my wife. I'm not going to lie. You know, my wife thinks it's hot. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's ridiculous. Uh, but I would uh, I, honestly, dude, when I told you I show everything on our episodes, I, I meant like I'm going to I'm going to show you that I was naked, but I definitely am going to blur that out. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, right now it's it's worthless. It's just B-roll because, you know, I think it was just the next next. Uh, I think it was actually the next day was my full my my last full hunt. And uh, and that's when that wolf and bobcat encounter uh, came and then the, I think the I think I actually had the next morning to hunt, but I slept in because I didn't want to walk back in the woods in the dark after that. <laughs> so, 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 you sent me some audio, and mm-hmm. and I have to say that if anybody listens to this, do it in a room where there's no darkness in any corner because that audio straight up messes with you. That is some crazy yeah. ass audio, dude. Yeah, it'll put chills right up your spine. It uh, oh. raises the hair on your arms when you hear it, and yeah, that's no joke. And, and when you see, you know, <laughs> when you find out what it is, you know, it's kind of like you feel right. a little bit better. You almost you almost feel a little sheepish, probably, right? Yeah, I mean, think about it. It's like a coyote, you know, if it's a coyote or a bobcat right. missing with you. Could probably just punt it like a football, <laughs> yeah, but right? in the dark. I'd never, ever heard a bobcat make noise like that. I haven't heard a whole lot of bobcats anyways. I mean, I hunt mostly in southern Wisconsin or central Wisconsin or, you know, uh, west in Minnesota or anywhere south. But I haven't – I've hunted a lot north woods for whitetails, but I haven't heard any bobcats. Uh, and uh, – but, but it, you know, it doesn't just start with the bobcat. That's the thing. I don't nobody, – nobody really knows when they, when they hear this audio – what I'm already trying to recover from, which if you've, if you've, I don't know how to put it. I really don't know how to say it. I don't find myself to be, you know, a scaredy cat of most stuff, uh, especially when it comes to being in the woods and in the dark, never had trouble walking out in the dark ever, uh, whether it's common ground or new ground. But I was on that uh, private piece at 30 acres and uh, there's something about it like you're on private land i guess even though it's the north woods of wisconsin it's it's real wild right um, it's not like you've got like blazed trails through it like you can go easily walking you've literally got to blaze your own trail uh as you're as you're navigating through the woods kind of a thing um you know you, there's something about the fact that it's 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 privately owned that just sort of makes you feel a little bit more at ease as though there's some like invisible fence around it. That's just not the case. It is the North Woods. The same animals that are in the public and anywhere else up there navigate right through all the private. They don't care what the borders are. They don't know about the borders. So that morning, okay, 
let's backstep. I told you I was naked. I told you I came back. I drank a bourbon and I smoked a cigar. We drank more than one bourbon. I woke up. I was hung. I'm not going to lie to you. I was hung, but I'm up there for a reason. I'm away from my like son. That's only, you know, at the time, just uh three months old. Uh, my daughter's at home. I'm missing my family. And I'm, I'm up here for a reason. I'm whether I'm hung over or not, I'm going hunting. So I, uh, I get up, I get my stuff ready. I'm in the mud room. I gotta, I gotta lace up my boots. I've got this big 450 on my hip, and every single day I walk out with this big, giant, long barrel pistol on my hip, right? And every single morning that I bend down to like tie my boot laces, I wonder why didn't I learn my lesson last time? gun on my belt afterwards because every time i kneel down it, it, the barrel <laughs> digs into the ground and it awkward and i'm just like shoot i forgot again you know right and it's just like just ass backwards i should have i should have remembered now this was you know a few nights into or a few mornings into this whole this whole adventure i should have known so i bend down i start tying my my boots and God dang it that that gun is hitting the ground below me and i'm like God, I'm so annoyed and I'm hung over, so I'm extra frustrated. So I take my belt off, I remove that gun, I set it down on the bench, and I continue to lace up my boots. I'm done lacing up. I go outside, I grab the five-gallon pail of fresh bait, and I start my hike. And I completely leave the gun in the mudroom. Don't even remember that I did that. I'm just on my way. I feel like everything's normal other than I'm seeing double. i go i go i don't know i probably probably 400 yards and then i gotta hang a left and i'm following just this meager trail that you know uh, my pal up there had kind of made just going out putting bait out and i'm real conscious with my entries and exit when it comes to wind but the wind is predominantly out of the west that time of year and it had been out of the west every single day and a west wind is just perfect for the entrance that he was taking to go bait this station. So uh, I just want to point that out. If I have to take a, a, a random path and blaze my own trail, I got no problem doing that if the wind calls for it. But it just so happens I, cause I was walking on his path to get back there. I get, like I say, about 400 yards back and I hang a left. Uh, and I just flicked my light on real quick to see what was ahead of me. And I knew I had another 30 yards to go, and I had to take another right to go into this area where the bait was. So I flicked my light on the trail ahead of me, and it, there's a pair of eyes. All right, that's cool. I mean, you know, you see that a lot when you're walking out and you flick your light on quick. You know, it's like yeah, a couple of deer standing in front of you just curious, wondering what you are. Uh, or it could be a coyote. No. No, no. This is a wolf. This is a big, big timber wolf. You're kidding me? You, I, I've, I've killed a number of coyotes in my life. I've been up close and personal with enough coyotes that you know they bore you when you see them. They're, it's nothing special anymore. You see them so much when you hunt a lot. This thing, his face was as round as a basketball with just all that fur. You know, it's just super round. His back had to bend as high as my waist and he was so long and he was standing broadside facing like his face right at me. He's staring at me down. So I stop in my tracks. I've got my bow in my left hand. 
you know, and I've got, uh, my, my, um, I've got my, uh, camera arm. Uh, I've got my camera in my camera bag over my shoulder on the left side on the right arm. Um, I've got my camera arm for the tree and I've got this five gallon pail of uh, bait and I've got the flashlight. I don't have a hand. So, um, naturally I'm thinking, okay, I'm actually looking at a wolf right now. I'm going to reach for this sidearm here and I'm going to just be ready to shoot it up in the air if I need to, to scare this thing off. I mean, I have no intention, no intention of actually shooting the wolf, but I definitely want to, uh, I definitely want to scare this thing off. So I slowly bend down and I lower the bucket of bait. I put my, uh, camera arm on it at this point my flashlight's been off of the uh wolf for maybe like five or six seconds and in my head i'm thinking i wonder if he closed the distance since i had that light on last so i set the bait down and i flashed the light again on that spot where that wolf was and sure enough he's about three feet closer to me and he's he's not walking like he's stalking He's just taking slow steps towards me, like with, you know, his ears doing funny things. Like he's just curious. That's all you could tell. He's real curious. And, um, well, I reach for my hip and sure enough, my gun is gone. You know, son of a gun. I left the thing on that bench and now I've got this wolf walking towards me. It's like 27 yards away and he's just getting bigger as he gets closer. And yeah. I mean, it's true as day. I mean, this is this is what's going on. And in my head, I'm like, I can't believe it. I'm actually going to get, like, in a fight with a wolf. <laughs> and, you know, I wish I hadn't been drinking the night before because I wasn't feeling top of my game. So I was like, this wolf might actually win this fight if we have to scuffle. But I'm, I'm ready. I mean, I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, what are you going to do when you're backed into a corner? <laughs> so I swear to God. I uh, I didn't know what better to do at this point because I wasn't going to be able to draw an arrow and shoot it, and I wasn't about to shoot a wolf. Man, my name would be all over the news forever. So what do I do? I take my flashlight, and I start flashing up and down my body trying to, like, show the wolf I'm a human. But do you think a wild wolf up in the north woods, like, it's almost wilderness up right, there. You think right. he gives a damn what a human He doesn't know what I am. He's like, what is that? Right. <laughs> you know? Especially in the dark. So I flash myself, and I'm like, oh, okay, let's see if he's still there. Well, sure enough, he's still there. God dang, he's standing there, and he's not scared. <laughs> he's curious as all get out. He's got his legs spread out in front of him. He's got his head down, and he looks like a scary movie. So I'm like, all right, I'm 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 not more than 60 yards away. I got another 30 yards where that wolf is standing. I got to turn right. That wolf is literally on the walk-in trail to this stand where this bear set was. So I'm thinking, well, if there was a bear there, there wouldn't be a wolf here. So I'm not going to scare any bears away. And that's all I could think about before was like, well, I'm either going to die from this this wolf or I'm going to win this fight or I'm going to scare bears away because I make a lot of racket. Screw it. So I just was like, hey, I'm a human. And all he did was like look at me cockeyed like a German shepherd would look at you if it was confused. You know what I'm saying? God, that's got to be bone chilling. Just, I just kept the flashlight on him, and you know what he did? He just slowly turned uh, broadside again, and he just took off trotting back the way that I had just walked in. He just trotted, and they have this long, long stride 
and it's just bone chilling, as you said. It is, it is seriously, it'll put chills down your spine and make you feel real awkward. And I, I, I as soon as he ran off, I thought, as I'm going to stand here and I'm going to listen and I'm going to wait till I can't hear him anymore and then I'm going to go. Well, that was a mistake because I stood there and I waited till the sound disappeared from him running. And then my mind told me that he only went 30 or 40 yards into the woods and stopped and he's waiting to see what I do. And now I've got to walk to where he was just standing. So is he going to wait till I walk up there and then jump out? or what? I don't know anything about what wolves do. Oh, screw it. I mean, it's dark. Here I am. So I kept my flashlight on and I walked up there. Never heard that wolf again. I turn right, I go up into that bear stand, and I'll tell you, I felt so alive when I got like two or three rungs up that ladder. <laughs> I Love bet you did. You. <laughs> and uh, oh, so I get up there, I get my camera set, I'm feeling high on life. I'm like, you know, I just ex- I just experienced my, flirt, my first wolf counter. Hopefully it's my last. Uh, that was neat. I can't wait to tell some people about it. And then I heard crunching behind me coming up the trail. I just walked in, and it's right where the wolf just was down, and I think, here he is backtracking me. So it's too dark. It's pre-dawn, but I get my camera rolling and in the dark, I record the audio of what happens next. And, and, and that's that link I sent you. Um, it's on the chase nation YouTube channel. You cannot miss it. It is in the middle of season one. Let me see. Uh, I've got it pulled up here. Let me see if I can get it to come through on the, uh, on the recording. I think I should be able to, I haven't tried this before. So we're, we're, uh, pushing the limits of my current technology. Let's see if this will go for it. Could you hear that on your end? A little bit. Yeah, I've I, heard. I, I've heard it in real life. I don't want to yeah. necessarily hear it again. <laughs> God, that's that's only the very beginning of that. I, I encourage yeah. everybody to uh, put your headphones in, turn the the, the radio up uh, or turn the, the volume up as loud as you can, as you can yeah. take it and listen to that because I have got goosebumps right now because I've obviously got my headset on listening to that. That is, whew. Yeah, man, I didn't know what it was. I could see under the moon. I could see it was a lighter body. I could see it was colorful, like it was lighter, you know, like maybe gray or like a light tinge of brown. I'm, oh, I'm like, is that a wolf? Uh, is that like a gray fox? It sure looks too big to be a gray fox. And, you know, I've heard gray fox bark before, and I thought maybe that's a fox, but golly, that thing was so vicious sounding. It wasn't. It wasn't a fox. Uh, it took a long time. I had so many people send me messages saying what they thought it was. It's a fox. No, it's a bobcat. No, it's this, that, the other thing. It's a wolverine. You know, I heard it all. So I started YouTubing and, and doing my research. I ended up finding a video that plays almost exact audio, but you actually see the bobcat, so you know what's making the noise. And sure enough, it was a bobcat. And you know, there's quite a few bobcats up there. Uh, 
so you know once i heard what it was i was like oh okay cool because i thought that like you know i just experienced like a new species of weirdness up there in the <laughs> north woods and you know like the hodag made it up the hodag is like this you'd have to be from wisconsin what the hodag is but central north central wisconsin and rhinelander there's something called the hodag and it's like this monster of the north it's just this big uh legend uh you know, so that was an ongoing joke for a while, but my goodness, man, that thing really sent chills up my spine. So that was my bear hunting experience. And, you know, and I spent all that time up there bear hunting like hard other than the one night where the cooler with beer and sandwiches came out and I didn't see a bear. I saw, I bet you, I saw 20 to 30 deer a night and, and that's a lot of deer, especially for North woods and public land. Oh, yeah, most of them are antlerless, but man, did I see a lot of deer. Um, but no, no, no bears, uh, during daylight. I saw a couple bears on the drive back, you know, or, you know, I heard them crash a couple of times when I was walking out in the dark, uh, which that'll send hair, you know, up on your arms. Cause you know, you, it's dark out and it's a huge animal. It could be a 300 pounder. It could be a 500 pounder, you know, whatever it is, it's going to be at least as big as you are. <laughs> um, but I never had to get in any fights with a bear just just got close to the wolf that's all <laughs> so, so that's my hunting naked come up front with a uh with a wolf and then listen to a bobcat under my stand at 13 yards st- story did y'all have cougars up there mm. you know the state will do its best to say that we we don't, don't have yeah, population yeah, 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 of them, yeah. but but i mean it's just too dang common i mean yeah we just had a cougar all over wisconsin this year again and now that's state's finally recognizing them but the thing is is that you know the state starts to recognize cougars and they put them in the regulation book they're going to have to manage them yeah and sure sure that's money and time and 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 waste on their opinion because they're so infrequent sure so it's not something i really worry about i would never ever ever worry that i'm going to have an encounter with a with a cougar on my way into my tree stand i thought i thought running into a wolf was far-fetched but you know that happened, so who knows? I, I might encounter a, a bob or a cougar one day, and uh, I might not live to tell you the story of that encounter. <laughs> but uh, I sure hope I don't. Well, we have them down here in the deep south. You know, we've got the Florida panther, and then uh, so I've been within thirty yards of a cougar, uh, and that was actually in southeast Georgia. Um, the, the state of Georgia did this re- this. Uh, controlled release where they took a male and a female mountain lion and they tried to spay and neuter them and then release them with radio collars uh in my area it was a pretty remote part of southeast georgia just basically miles and miles of pines with no houses so uh at the time this was in the early early 90s i think mid 90s like 95 96 uh they released these two panthers well one thing went catastrophically wrong, and that is the female was already pregnant before they, they spayed her. And uh, so she gave birth to a litter of three pups. I don't know what you'd call them, but uh, three three kittens. We'll call them that for the sake of the story. Two of which were killed on the road I lived on by cars. The, oh, man. The third of which was never never actually found. Well, years and years go by. And I'm on the way home with this with this guy that was my mentor at the time. He hired me on, and we're coming up this long straightaway, and this long brown animal starts walking across the freaking road. And I'm like, "Wow, that's a big deer!" And then it got it was really low to the ground, and its head was real low. And I was like, "Man, that's not a deer. That's a big cat." 
Like, that's a bobcat. That's cool. And then I see the long, swooping tail. And I swear, and, and this isn't reality, but it was so far away, and I was so jacked, it looked like this animal spanned both sides of the road, right? Yeah, they're long. Dude, they are. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, just floored watching this animal cross the road and I looked to, to 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 the guy driving and he's looking off to the left in the trees. I'm like, you didn't see that? And he's like, no, no, no. And I tell him what I saw and he gave me this like, yeah, okay, all right, young fella, you know, you, you, it was just a bobcat. <laughs> well, flash, flash forward about uh, two weeks later and I'm sitting on a stump and uh, I've told this story before. Anybody who listened like the first couple episodes way back this time last year, um, I'm sitting on the stump of the recurve uh, hunting deer on the ground, and I heard a, a single twig snap in front of me. It was it was the dr- middle of a drought we had back in, I think, 06, 07, somewhere in that range, maybe sure. it was 08. And so I could hear an armadillo 100 yards away, and I hear this one single twig snap in front of me, and I look up, and here sits a straight black panther with the most beautiful eyes you've ever seen at 30 yards just grooming itself looking at me. And I'm going to oh tell God. you something, dude. I My butthole almost broke. When I, I was realized. gonna say, was that the first time in many years you pissed yourself? Oh, it's dude, it, that was unreal. I cannot put into words what it feels like to feel the blood drain from your skull. I'm not, I mean, it's just like it was unreal. How and it's one of those things like you see the head and then the pattern recognition in your brain kicks in, and then the rest of the outline like falls into place, and it's like it comes out of the leaves, and you see it, even though it's completely like this this dark blackish brown. It was like your body had to like physically confirm for for a few seconds that what you're looking at is real. No, that's not a stump. No, that's not a figure a figment of your imagination. And this thing sat there for the longest time, and I swear to God. That is the stillest I've ever sat my, in my entire life. And finally, it walked off, and I got up and shot down the road. My dad found me about 500 yards from where I was because it was getting dark, and I'm in this oak canopy that's kind of similar to what you described. And yeah, get the hell out of there. Yeah, man. <laughs> and my dad's like, hey, what are you doing out here? You, you just missed prime time. And I was like, there was a freaking cougar. And he's like, oh, my God, get in the truck, you little pansy. You know, like he just wanted to call me out. So we drive off, and two days later – I'm sitting on the far side of this property. Like, of course, it would make some difference that I'm a thousand yards away, not to a cougar. You know, the range is so big. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, here comes Dad, like the last 45 minutes of shooting light. And he's honking the horn in his pickup truck, and he's hauling ass down the get road. Get in! We got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> he, he says, get in, get in. And I just assumed that he shot something, right? And we go hauling ass back down the road. He says, okay, get that flashlight, stand right in front of the truck, and let me know when you see the tracks. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm looking for deer tracks. And I'm looking, and I'm looking, and I'm looking. And I was like, Dad, what am I looking for? And he's in the truck driving a couple miles an hour behind me. So now, basically, what he's created is like this eat here buffet there's this this scrawny little dude sitting in front of a pickup truck light <laughs> you're you're the bait <laughs> yeah. and i'm like what are we looking for he's like cougar tracks i'm like what <laughs> i got in the truck dude we found the tracks we had dnr come out i covered the tracks with a with a with a with a bucket long story short this cougar had circled around my dad had come up we had followed the tracks in the sandy soil all the way around behind and that cougar was sitting behind my dad's tree stand looking up at him at one point in time you could see where he was sitting dude and uh yikes dude that's yeah. when you say you know what uh anybody want permission to come hunt out here for a year <laughs> well uh, we called dnr out and dnr is like yeah you know uh it's not a cougar i was like well it ain't a dog he's like nope i was like it ain't a bobcat he goes no and i said well it's not a bear he said no i was like well then that kind of leaves a cougar he just couldn't he like winked at me he's like i can't say it's a cougar 
Um, and then he said, you know, if it was a cougar, don't worry about it. There's not, it's not likely that they have any pups. Well, again, two weeks later, I'm driving a four wheeler and here come two young ones. I'm talking like a hundred pounds each shooting across the road, playing with each other. I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, tell me not to worry about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, There was a reason for the first time in my life in Southeast Georgia to fear what went bump in the woods behind me, you know, like it, that never left me. No, man, when you when you have something like that, you know, go through, course through your veins, oh, it doesn't just go away. No, and you ever. don't I I used to like you know, there was a couple of times where I'd be walking in the woods and you just the hair goes up on the back of your neck sure. and you're like, you know, this is awkward, like I don't know, it's dark, it's quiet, it's early, I'm tired. And uh, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, what you're not really afraid to just kind of it's just sometimes it's a little uneasy, and, yeah. and there's no good reason for it. But when you have an encounter like that, boy, I mean, it brings it bring it reminds me of when I was like 13 or 14 years old, walking 100 <laughs> yards ahead of my dad, and yeah. he's like, "See if you can find the stand. I'm right behind you, buddy." And it's yeah. dark out. Yeah, he's just training me. But I mean, I remember being like afraid back then, and I felt like that after having that wolf encounter. Shit, I'm and I'm back in southern Wisconsin, and the you know scariest thing you got down here is. You know, a, a, a barn cat. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, I mean, yeah, that's uh, that's intense, dude. Jeez, I yeah. thought my bobcat and wolf story was intense, but no. <laughs> I think you have a you have one up on me, dude. I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't I know. I think those are pretty close. Yeah. A, a bobcat, I'd say that panther was going to win that fight. Well, and the thing is, I, I was talking to another guy, and he was like, "Listen, if that panther wanted you, you would have never known it until it was too late." Like. You know, oh, the, the, he he was curious. Like he saw you, he circled downwind. He was curious what you were, you know. And you know, it's funny that Georgia refuses to acknowledge that there could be any cougar cougar in south in southwest or southeast Georgia, as if they know that we've drawn this like arbitrary line in the sand as to what what constitutes Georgia and Florida. But I we moved to this house right here on the Panhandle, man, and you know we've got the Florida cougar down here, and uh, I was on the way home. Man, it might not have been about, about a month and a half ago, and I passed a cougar on the side of the road. I whipped a Yui around, and he's just he's just trotting right down this power line. And he turned and looked at me sideways. I was like, "Yep, that's a cougar." I mean, they're they're around, man. I, I think a lot of people around here are just kind of like a denial that they might be here. But I hate to break it to you, if you live in the state of Florida, there's a good chance that you've walked past or a cougar has walked past you. So, but, well, listen, Bubba, I, you you have gone uh, above and beyond to talk with me this evening, and uh, I've kept you over an hour. Uh, wh- where can people find Chase Nation, and where can they, they follow you and your pursuits? Sure, man, I appreciate that. Uh, Chase Nation is on Facebook. Um, we usually stream just about every episode on, again, we're non-monetized, so right now it's just about, uh, getting viewership and so we'll we'll publish it on our youtube channel chase nation tv or on our facebook page which is the same thing chase nation tv uh we have a uh, a website called chase nation.co so not dot com but dot co um and then uh, we've got an instagram cha- uh, page called chase nation tv um so we'd really appreciate anybody that wants to check us out to just give us a chance and watch a couple of our episodes. Um, man, that would really mean a lot to us. And then we're also on the Hunt More app and, and the Fish More app, which is on Android and iPhone. Um, so if you go on, on Hunt More, 
dot io or fishmore dot io and install the app and uh, give us a follow we post a lot of cool stuff there and uh and that's an awesome community so yeah man i appreciate you having me on the show and giving me a chance to tell the story glad you got to hear about my naked activities in the woods hey no <laughs> man I, I appreciate you and if you'll hang on for one second i want to talk to you just as soon as i wrap this up guys Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, as I said on the previous podcast that I dropped not too long back, uh, I'm back full-time. You should expect weekly episodes from me. I'm going to do my best to to get them out every Monday and uh, get that content to you uh, on a more frequent basis. I apologize for my previous absence, but that time has come and passed, and we are in the clear. If you haven't already, like us on Instagram, Facebook, and don't forget to ask to join our closed group, Chasing Tall Tales, where you get to see all of the uh, the information before we drop it. You get to contribute to the podcast and interact with me and the other people who follow on a routine basis. Until next time, y'all get outside, get after it. Love y'all. Bye.